welcome back to Rockstar 101. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. Why? He's the rock star. Why every time? I don't know. Class yeah. is in session. Class is in session. I feel like I got to change it up. You know what? I can't just be sitting here like a... I just realized. I just realized how we can what? transition. Okay? We'll talk about it right now, live. Okay? Welcome What's back that? to Rockstar 101. Today's class is the history of rock from 1990. And then okay. And then when... It, and then so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the history of rock And then from that will transition us. Into the next move that we're talking about. You see what I'm doing there? As I was oh, introducing you're it... you're so smart! I was about to say like... And today... Welcome back to Rockstar 101. Today's class is the history of rock from 1990. His name is Brandon. He is the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. I am leaving all of that stuff in before that, though, in the actual podcast. <laughs> so right. when you're watching, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah, Don't worry. Everything will be enough. answered soon. Give it a month. But we are moving on to 1990. We've covered 1989. Eventually, we'll go back to 1989. Um, but the whole this whole thing started with playlists. I started making playlists on Spotify. And if you want to find them, you can find me at The Real Brandalorian and just look for uh, Rockstar 101 Best Rock of 1990. I think it's just best of 1990. Either way, uh, the album that we're going to be covering today is going to be Alice in Chains' Facelift. This was like the first really big uh, grunge album. Some other albums that came out in 1990, we got the Black Crows released their big album, Pantera, Mother Love Bone. Oh, I am so excited to get into Mother Love Bone later on this month. If you'll notice, I was wearing a different shirt. Shim and I were discussing the podcast and I, I remembered, I'm like, oh, Earlier in the week, I told myself I should wear a flannel shirt specifically because we're talking about Alice in Chains. You're going to be wearing a flannel shirt all month if it's 1990s. I'm going to be wearing a flannel shirt for like the next five months because it's going to go from 1990 to like 1995. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, Other than the fact that it's going to be hot as balls where I live because we're coming into summertime at this point. Um, But anyway, so we're going to cover Alice in Chains facelift. There's also, here's a little, little interesting little tidbit for everybody that we're going to answer here at the end of this podcast. There's two big pieces of technology that were invented for the computer or things that were invented on the computer or for the computer in 1990 that we still use to this day. There was kind of a big thing that happened back in 1990. So we'll be answering that coming up. We're also going to talk about uh, TV shows that debuted as well. But let's go ahead and dive right into Alice in Chains' facelift. Shim has let it be known. Alice in Chains, not a band that really made it down to... Australia, at least not as big as they were here in the States. So I apologize to all the Alice in Chains fans who are fans who are watching. Uh, I like Alice in Chains. I played with Alice in Chains, hung out, great guys, great music. They just, they, they, the thing is that there's not nearly as many radio stations in Australia and there's not um, nearly as much space on the playlists. And truth be told, you guys know Alice in Chains music. It's kind of a downer sometimes. And so when they had all the options, they, 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 they we're, we're not nearly as diverse, which is one of the reasons that I moved to America was because I wanted to make the type of music I want to make and have it be played and appreciated and recognized. So I didn't know Alice in Chains goes in there with Journey that I was like, oh, this is a band that was massive. I didn't know about it till I came over to LA. So you'll be educated. This would be my education today. So go ahead, tell me things. Well, and it, you also remember, um, it was a couple of years ago, I think we covered this on the podcast, is that um, my wife gave me tickets to Alice in Chains for my birthday when they came to El Paso. And so her and I went, and throughout the entire show, she was, if I remember correctly, she was basically waiting for Rooster to come on. Yeah. And But she recognized Man in the Box, and she recognized some of the other songs. And it was just, it's it's going to rock concerts with my wife is arguably one of the, 
funnest things that I can do with her because there's always this, oh, that's them? Yeah. Remember that was her, the whole Metallica <laughs> show? That's them? Yeah, yeah, that is them, dear. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's, right, why, so, that's why we're going to Raise Against the Machine together when they finally do that show. Fuck, man. Man, I'm telling you, we're, a, we're supposed to be a couple of months away from that. You think that they're going to do it? It's still on. It's still, it's still scheduled. I don't know if so I'm going to be able to. Ready. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get over there. If the quarantine's still going on, I may not get over there. If I think they push Who's it quarantined? back, Australia. We'll talk about it later. Australia's still right, suffering. Right, fine. Change. Face yeah. left. Face right, left. Here we go. Here. So here we go. So Alison Chain's face left. It was really like the first big grunge album. It was. Uh, it ended up peaking at number forty-two on the Billboard Top Two Hundred. It was the first grunge album to be certified gold. It is now obviously since gone uh i think over two times platinum or something like that and the big songs off of allison chain's facelift if you're going to go check out the um playlist that we have over on spotify the big one of course being man in the box man in the box yeah yeah, yeah. there you go sorry sorry I didn't... <laughs> sea of sorrow was also on this album as well a couple of a few of the other songs i put on there uh we die young it ain't that or i'm sorry it ain't like that and then there, i think there was one more that i threw on there oh bleed the freak as well. So those are the songs that you're going to find over on the playlist um, on Spotify. So, but the thing, interesting thing is it wasn't a, an immediate success because when we look back at the grunge movement, don't you kind of immediately think like, oh, it was kind of overnight success. Like all of a sudden it was like, boom, grunge was everywhere. I, for me, I remember thinking the first time that I really heard, the first time that I heard about grunge was, um, Silverchair, which is stupid because they were so not the beginning of grunge, but that's Australia. Go back and come to find out that the pinnacle was Nirvana. And then you get into, you realize, no, Nirvana is not the pinnacle. There's Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and everything else. But you realize everyone was complaining. When I started to look at interviews, they were like, why is everyone calling us an overnight success? You're treating us like popcorn. You're treating us like fucking candy. And what about all these other cool bands that we've been playing with and touring with for years? And I think that that's that there was an underground. It's the same as anything. It's like there's an underground surgeons, and then the volcano explodes, and there's a couple of people that are at the top. And that, but with grunge, it was perfectly branded. Like they, you, you complain about everything. Everything sucks. Yeah, you complain. Yeah. So you're like, we're famous. We got millions. This is fucked. Fuck you guys. You didn't yeah. like my music before. You're not real. And in my head at the time, I was like, yeah, that's what's cool, man. It's cool to hate the fucking people that like your stuff. That's why I abuse the shit out of my audience all the time, because for some reason it translates. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, for me, grunge sort of, I, I came in when grunge was already happening. And when I looked back, I saw that uh, Nirvana just captured the pop song within the grunge movement. And then people mm -hmm. started to assimilate it. And then you go into Alice in Chains, you give it some time and you go, this is dope as well. But if it wasn't for the movement as a whole, most of these bands wouldn't have happened. They'd, they would have stayed underground. Yeah. And so Alice in Chains was the first big one, but immediately not a huge success mm. um, for Alice in Chains. It had only sold like 40,000 copies the first few months it was out because the first single was not Man in the Box. The first single was We Die Young, which you do not hear on the radio at all. Right. And the two, the two singles that you hear on the radio from this album, obviously Man in the Box and Sea of Sorrow, those didn't come out until 1991. Right. So it was really kind of a, a, even a slow build for this album, as much of it was a slow build for the grunge movement because it had already been around for a few years, right. which is why I'm really excited to talk about Mother Love Bone 
because if you don't know this, here's a, a quick little fact about them. They were kind of going to be that big band, that first big band from grunge, but the lead singer passed away just mm. days before their debut album dropped. So we'll get into that in another episode. But as far as the success of Facelift and how it's sort of transcended into this um, different, different stratosphere of albums, um, Ozzy Osbourne has even come out and said that Facelift is one of his top 10 favorite metal albums of all time. Wow. Um, he told Rolling Stone that it's an amazing debut. Man in the Box is a classic. Lane Staley was a lovely guy. It's such a shame that he couldn't overcome his demons, was what Ozzy said about Lane Staley. That's sweet. And there was an interesting quote um, from Lane Staley. And, and you know, he, he passed away back in, um, I think it was 02. And so I never got a chance to be around Lane Staley or meet him, but mm. I've obviously worked with people who mm. were, especially back in Oregon, where a lot of those people were in that grunge movement very early on. And I would kind of ask him, like, what was the vibe that dude gave? Because he just seemed to be different. Like, yeah. you could tell yeah. that there was something different. Like, he was wired differently. And my, uh, my, my former boss, Al Scott, who was knee-deep in the grunge movement back in the early 90s, he, like, radio legend in Portland, Oregon, um, and he just told me flat out, he goes, you, you could just tell he didn't want to be there. Right. And it wasn't that like, Hey, fuck you. I, you know, I'm bigger than you. And you're, it's just, he, he just was, he was always off in his own world. Yeah. Like that was kind of what was going on, um, with Lane Staley. And unfortunately that was, you know, a lot of it had to do with some of the demons that he had going on. Hmm. Um, there's another quote from uh, Lane Staley where he said, uh, it was something to the effect of the moment that he knew that he wasn't happy anymore was when he was in the back of a limo doing rails of coke off of his, you know, platinum album, getting, you know, getting a beach from a hooker or something like that. Right. And the that's when you find out you're not happy. From, <laughs> well, that's the thing is, and the person who I heard this quote from, they were like, dude, that's when you are happy. Like, yeah. that's what you do rock star for. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Eh, well, you know, to each their own. Yeah. You know, I guess. But this, uh, Next interesting little fact here for Alice in Chains. Um, I really want to get your input on, but first I got to mention the beard struggle. If you'll notice the beard looking pretty tight today. Yeah, that's what it's it's not too shabby, right? Uh That's because of the beard struggle. So if you want to, if you have a beard, if you know somebody with a beard, make sure you go to thebeardstruggle.com and at checkout, use promo code Brandalorian. And if you use that promo code, you're going to get a nice big old fat discount. You'll click it and you'll see the money just melt away as you are trying to purchase your fabulous beard products. So this next fact has to do with right before they recorded the album. And it had to do with Sean Kinney, the drummer. He broke his hand right before they recorded it. Before and they recorded which song? wasn't on it. What's that? Before they recorded what? Which one? Before they recorded the album. Oh, shit. Okay. So it almost wasn't him. And essentially what they ended up doing... As he says, I almost didn't play on the album. They had recruited Greg Gilmore from Mother Love Bone right. uh, to play the parts, but Kenny ended up playing anyway. He said, I cut my cast off in the studio and kept a bucket of ice by the drum set. So that's, that's how he was able to do. So my question for you that's is, tight. have you had anything close to that happen when you guys are going into the studio, whether it be you or somebody else you're recording with? There could be an injury or yeah. something that yeah. was going to prevent you from being able to record that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I gave myself a hernia. <laughs> How'd you do that? I gave myself a hernia. The only hardcore fans know this. <clears throat> we wrote and produced Tripolar. The way that we wrote and produced the songs is we would write them 
and produce them in the studio and then we would go and rehearse the recordings uh, we kind of reverse engineered it. We didn't do it like a band. We would go and uh, because we had a session drummer play on the records before Mark joined, and then the session drummer continued, and we would um, we would write the song acoustic, go and do it, and so eventually we never really rehearsed the songs one or two hundred times. We would rehearse it after it was recorded. So I was rehearsing several of the deep cuts on tripolar, which are very hard to sing and playing guitar. And you have to tighten your lower abs the whole time to hit those notes. Eventually I gave myself a hernia because I was stressing. I was tensing so much for so long, pushing so hard for weeks, rehearsing the songs. And I gave myself a hernia. And then I continued to sing and it got worse and then went to see a doctor and he said, you got a hernia, you got to get it taken care of. So I booked in a hernia operation, but I never skipped a day except for the day of the operation and, the, and a couple of days afterwards. But I kept going because we had a tour booked. So I booked the surgery in and got that taken care of, but it didn't slow anything down. So yes, Damn, I know exactly dude. what that's so, like. So how long were you out then with, you know, with the hernia? What kind of recovery time? Were you, were you like, is it a couple of weeks? Is it a month? No, it no, because months? it's like they, they advise you not to continue singing uh, or to continue lifting and doing heavy stuff. But the truth is that they put a mesh there. So it's attached and it's done its thing and it's, it's, you're, you're done. Like you have a little bit of um, uh, scar tissue on the outside, but everything's, it's done. It's like it, you can do what you want to do. You're just going to really fucking hate it. So you're not going to hurt yourself. So as soon as they said, you're not going to cause any permanent damage if you go back and- But it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like hell and you're going to have no energy because you just got yourself cut open. So they were like, so the only question was, are you going to do any permanent damage? No, cool. So we've got to go on tour. So let's rehearse. So I just- There's my hernia face. Yeah, it's- um. It was bad. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that bad, but it was. Yeah, it was fucking. Ha- I remember thinking I didn't get upset that I was hurt, and I didn't get at, like, oh, I'm in pain. I just got really frustrated that I couldn't keep rehearsing. I was like, this is really fucking bad timing. I've got I've got stuff to do. <laughs> and that's yeah, what. I'm, and that's I mean, exactly that's the worst how. Thing is getting hurt. Yeah. That's exactly how I'm sure that drummer felt. He breaks his hand, and he's like, "Why can't I break? Why can't I break both my hands the day after the record's finished? How about that? Yep. But I got shit to do, and it's important to me. And and Tripolar was a very important album. I remember when we started making it. I was like, I know this is going to be a big record. Everything was positioned. I was primed. The 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 label. Every all the pieces were there. And I was like, I'm going to put everything into the record. There's a whole bunch of crazy stories about how that record was made that I get into at the VIP sessions for the Tripolar listening party that are available now at the merch store and um, shimmusic.com. And then you can, um, but but like, that's what you do. You, you figure it out. You go, you go through it and you go, I, this, I believe this is going to be a relevant piece of music. I want to put everything into it. You break your hand and then like, oh, we're going to hire some other guy. Yeah, you break the cast off and get a bucket of ice and you power through it. And it's not until they finally say your hand is working anymore we can't physically record you you push through so i got I, I totally get it and that's not a very uncommon story for people that do what we do well the interesting thing for alice and chains too is uh they had met um a concert promoter um at one of their concerts and he was so impressed that he offered to pay for their uh demo recordings the day before the band was set to enter the studio the police shut it down in what has become one of the largest marijuana raids in the state's history. Stop and think about that because it's now legal in Washington. Like you can legally go smoke weed in Washington, but they ended up shutting it down. So they eventually recorded the demo later on 
which then found its way to Soundgarden's manager, right. and then they were eventually signed to uh, Columbia Records after that. But um, Sean Kinney, you know, out there busting his ass um, with the broken hand. And so, and just really quickly too. So for Allison Chance, so this is when it was Lane Staley, Jerry Cantrell, Mike Starr, and Sean Kinney. Two of those guys are still in the band. Obviously, Lane Staley because he passed away, no longer in the band. Also, Mike Starr, not in the band either. He passed away back in, oh, shit, I forgot what year. <laughs> it's okay. It was a while ago. Nah, yeah, well, he, I mean, he left the band in 93, um, and he was always, you know, fighting his own demons and stuff like mm-hmm. that when it came to uh, drugs and alcohol. But he ended up passing away. Um, in 2011 was okay. when uh, we lost Mike Starr. All right, so next, next. Before uh, we move on, hold on one second. I do want to say one oh. thing. What we should do, and I'd be very interested in everyone's comments in the YouTube channel on this, because we just talked about real briefly the fact that you know uh, Alice in Chains made a demo and then it went to uh, uh, the manager of Soundgarden. Manager. Everything. This is the thing that one of the things that I find really interesting, and I'd be very interested if you guys, everyone watching right now, comment in this comment section below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify, go to the YouTube channel, type in Rockstar 101, and go and comment. I would be very interested to go through some of the stories of these seminal bands and how all of their versions of how they got that first shot. Because everyone's got really interest. I know my story is really interesting and it always, it goes back to this concept of everything comes from something. And it's Mm -hmm. always something that you wouldn't expect. You talk about these big, you know, these big achievements and whatnot. And it's always this little fucking random thing. Like he pushed his way backstage and then, you know, handed a demo tape to Fred Durst, which is how Puddle of Mud fucking happened. And like everyone's got, remember we talked about that. Everyone's got their story. So if you guys would be interested in talking about that and more importantly, if you have any little tidbits of bands that are from the 90s that we're talking about and you guys are like, I remember this story where this thing happened. Tell us in the comments section because I want to hear about that. That's the stuff that really gets me off. So yeah, anyway, keep keep going with what you were saying. Well, Sorry no, because we're, I mean, that's stuff that we're eventually going to be getting to as well because, you know, here for April of 2021, we're covering the year 1990. There's only a few Mondays that we're dropping episodes. So there's going to be other, yeah. you know, we're going to eventually be coming back to this as well. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to be talking about. How did the demo get first heard and things like that. Yeah. And then this next one has to do with this, a band that gave inspiration to Alice in Chains for um, the uh, the voice box used in Man in the Box. Right. It was Bon Jovi. I, that was... Um, Were you going to guess that? What is that? Um, Living on a Prayer, Living right? on a Prayer. Yeah. So they ripped it... Is that that's oh that's such a trip because I've always thought like whenever I hear that it always it's it's a weird thing I didn't put it together until you just said it but whenever I hear Man in the Box there's only a handful of songs in the world that use the voice box in pop rock songs there's mm-hmm. that song there's uh, Living on a Prayer there's um uh generator by the Foo Fighters if you remember that one that and there's only a couple and every time I hear them start off I automatically think of the other songs with that sound and so it does it is very reminiscent but you're telling me they consciously were like we love living on a prayer we want that sound or did they just love the well, sound they, they had heard it and their producer encouraged the use of the device telling them like this is what's going to make this song a hit and then they eventually used that voice box in Man in the Box. That is awesome. Thank God for that producer because he's bang. Sometimes producers are so vital when it comes to that. 
Yeah, that's fucking great. Because they're going to be they're going to be bringing a different perspective. But then here's another one. So let me know if this is anything that's even come close to something that's happened to you recording is that they had it was basically an accident. Um, there's one song and I, I, I got to make sure that it's in the playlist on Spotify. And I believe it is. Yes, the song is called It Ain't Like That. Mm-hmm. So listen to the beginning of it. There's a cool kind of sounding twang that was done completely by accident. It says here. Jerry Cantrell admitted that it wasn't intended. Here's what he said. That's based around a bend that was actually a joke. I remember at rehearsal, I got pissed off about something and I made some noise. I was dicking around and all the guys looked at me like, that was cool. Do that again. So it was just a complete, like he was pissed off. He just makes this random noise and then boom, it ends up becoming kind of the intro to that song. You're kidding that's the dopest thing i've ever heard i love it when those type of accidents happen man i wish i had more stories about that type of stuff but i never i never had the opportunity to to make those types of mistakes and have someone go yeah yeah you're too you're too planned yeah no no it wasn't uh, wasn't the same environment but it was dope that's dope you're too too on point there (laughs) all right we're gonna get to a couple more facts here really quick if you're here on youtube make sure you click and like and subscribe down below just give us the clicks it really helps us out a lot. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, Google, or whatever, head on over to YouTube, type in Shim's name, and um, look for the Rockstar 101 podcast right there. You can actually see us. You can see our pretty faces. Smile for the camera, Shim. Jeez. Oh, I'm for crying out loud. What? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So the next, uh, so when it came to, and this isn't necessarily something we need to do a deep dive in with you right now, because there's, there's going to be times where we really get into things like tripolar and stuff like that. But for Alice in Chains, I've heard a couple of different stories about how they came up with the name facelift for this album. One of which says it came because of the photo shoot. So what they, so you, do you remember the cover of the album? It's kind of got that distorted looking yeah. face on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially what they were doing is they had booked a photo shoot and the, the, the record label gave them like no money to do this photo shoot. But the photographer loved the idea so much, he kind of really stretched the money out. It was supposed to take one day. They took three days. And what they were doing is I believe they were coming out of water and there was like a piece of um, uh, plastic that would cover their face. And that was what the picture was of. Right. And he was doing different, um, different things with his camera to make it look different. And I believe it's actually Mike Starr's face that's on the cover there. Right. So I've heard that that was how they came up with the name facelift. Oh, really? But I've also heard that the, the album or the, the, the album became that because they already had the name facelift. And the way that they came up with the name facelift was they recorded a full album and they were like, "Ugh, we got to scratch this. And they would kind of almost completely do it a new one. And they did that like three or four times. And as they explained it each time, it was like the band was getting a facelift because it was a different album right. every single time or they were they were improving on the songs that they already had. Yeah. So that was where the term facelift came from, which then led to the album cover. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, everything that I've seen kind of, you know, has both of those stories being. Also, there's, you don't know which one's real. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and that's, shit. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not 100 percent positive. I'm going to go with. The fact that they already, because I I heard the actual clip of them saying, you know, we re-recorded multiple times, so it was like we were getting a facelift as a band, which then led to the photo shoot. I think there were some people out there that just saw the album or heard the story behind the album cover, and then they associated, oh, well, that's how they came up with facelift. But I've heard the actual clips, and this is where I really wish we could play clips of stuff, man. 
because that would come in super handy where we could like just this, we got to right we got to look into that and figure out if there's a way to be able to but we'd have to pay for a license we'd have to go through that whole licensing yeah. concept yeah but maybe we can maybe we can get to that point later on um but that is a perfect transition to thanking our supporters right now yes because if you can go to anchor.fm slash rockstar 101 um, and become a supporter of the podcast, it helps us out. And there you go. We'd be able to put it towards possibly paying licensing fees uh, <laughs> to pay for things for the podcast. I mean, who knows? I mean, we don't we don't know. But a uh, big thank you to um, our supporters really quickly. Also for the socials, if you want to go check out Shim live on Twitch, it's uh, Hollywood Rebellion. If you want to check out me on Twitch, it is uh, the Real Brandalorian. Same thing for Reddit and Instagram for me. That's where you find me is at the Real Brandalorian. For Shim, it's Hollywood Rebellion on Twitch. You can find him as Shim on Facebook or Shim Moreover on Twitter. So we're around, we're available. You can always send us a message. You know, link something to us and and figure all that stuff out. And in the meantime, go ahead to- and go ahead and hit that follow button and hit the smash the like button. Do that for us. If you're watching right now and you came this far, please hit those buttons. It helps more than you realize with the YouTube algorithm. Thank you very much. Final little factoid here for Alice in Chains facelift. So this was released in 1990, and Man in the Box wasn't released until um, 1991. That was when that uh, single was dropped. So the album was released August 21st, 1990. Man in the Box wasn't released until a few months later, January 1991. It eventually was nominated for the Best Hard Rock Performance in 1992. It did not win. No. Shockingly. Shockingly. No, they ended up losing that year uh, to Van Halen's Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. That's actually what they lost. It's a pretty sweet victory. It's a sweet loss to lose to Van Halen. That's fair enough. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's not bad. It's not like Metallica losing to Jethro Tull. I was gonna. For the, I, uh, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. But that's like. It's, I'm gonna bring it up every time. <clears throat> yep. I'm bringing it up every time. But anyway, so if there's anything that we missed from Allison Chain's uh, facelift, if there's any other factoids that you know and you hear on YouTube, comment below. Let us know. The whole point is kind of sparking a conversation here um, about these albums. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit because I want to ask Shim, one of the advantages that we have is with Shim growing up in Australia, it's almost like he grew up on a different planet because he grew up on the opposite side of the planet. So here were a couple of the big shows that debuted and one that was actually a joke that ended up just being horrific uh but fresh prince of bel-air did that make it down to Australia? oh yeah that made it yeah <clears throat> at the time it was live or did it end up being was it a syndicated thing? uh probably got probably syndicated i can't i'm not sure i know that um i know that it was a regular like every week it was there was there was a handful of shows in the 90s that were like especially the early 90s there was family matters fresh prince uh, Cheers was still big. Seinfeld came up. You know, there was... Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there was Perfect Strangers, which was one of my favorites. Balky Budakum was... Balky. Balky Budakum was... Remember how he would... Remember how he would bowl? Remember? Yeah. No, I remember, no, yeah. Don't better dig us. But the... Uh, but I love that. I love that fucking show. But, um, yeah, no. Fresh Prince. And it's funny, man. That, that whole concept of it being a black... Uh, TV show, Cosby Show, Family Matters, and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It never came up in Australia. It was never divisive. It was never a topic. It was never anything. It was just, it's funny, and it's popular. And it wasn't until I got to America years later, and was and re- they, they talk about how it was a big deal because it was uh, predominantly black cast, about black, uh, the, 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 what do you call it? 
the trials and tribulations and some of the things that they deal with. They would address these issues. And uh, and we just we didn't didn't come up over here. We just thought it were great shows, really funny, popular TV shows. So yeah, but Fresh Prince was a big well, deal. I mean, in West Philadelphia, he was born and born raised. raised. On the playground is where he spent most of his days. I love that that's... Chilling everyone. out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. Shooting some b-ball outside of the school. Why are you... With a couple of guys who were up to no good. Are you going to do the whole thing? Started making trouble in my neighborhood. You're going to do the whole fucking thing. I got in one little fight. Oh, my God. My mom got scared. Why? She said, you're moving with your auntie Why? and uncle in Bel Air. We've got two minutes left. No, we got like eight minutes left. Relax. We've got two minutes. I whistled for a cat when it came near. The license plate said fresh. It had dice in the mirror. Oh, my God. You're if anything, so I could white. say you're wearing Flannel. I thought, nah, forget it. Yo, Holmes to Bel Air. Go, Holmes. I pulled up to a house not about home. seven or eight. I yelled to the cabbie, I'm yo, Holmes, smell you, you later. I'm not doing it. Look at my He's kingdom. I was going. finally there to sit at my throne. The Prince of Bel Air. Unbelievable. The whole thing. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I screwed some of that up. If I did, go ahead and bash me in the comments. Okay, That's the only time I'm that I've. Okay, so I Fresh Prince was released. So. Here's another show, and I don't know if this one would. Uh, it feels like this one would. We just have lost been all our viewers. Down. I don't know why we're still talking. There's no one watching anymore. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's gold right yeah. there. That is gold. Um, I, I, my gut tells me this didn't make it down there, but but maybe I'm wrong. So 1990 was when Law and Order debuted. It did, and I remember that show being a show that the grown-ups used to watch. Yep. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, no, I like I, I remember I remember that stuff. I remember that that was. You know, like when you're a kid, there's always the shows that, you know, yeah. that, that your parents watch. Yeah, and that was, was the old people show. There right? was like, yeah. there was the news. There was Law and Order. Later on, it was the Gary Shandling show when that was revolutionary, yeah. uh, which definitely I, we didn't understand. I used to watch, I used to watch shows and movies that were definitely above my, like, well, they weren't above my, uh, uh, intelligence level but they were above my reference points like I didn't understand a lot of the references but I would they would explain them to me and I I was very unpopular in school from pretty much my entire school life because I understood and thought that these references like I I always wondered why kids at school didn't talk and converse the way that adults did because I spent a lot of time around adults when I was younger and they would treat me like an adult and they if I had a question they would explain it to me as if it was like you know, like you're having a dinner party with your family or whatever and some guy comes in and he's like, I'm sorry, how does, you, you work in radio and how does it work when you're just starting out and you can just explain it to him like he's a guy. They would explain things to me the same way you'd explain basic stuff to a to an adult instead of saying, mm. you don't need to know that yet. Don't worry about it. They would explain it. And so mm. I had this larger understanding. So, but the only time that they would um, shy away was things like law and order when they would say, mm. these are themes of like, the motive to murder someone is like, it, you're only seven. You don't need that yet. We don't need to explain that just yet. Yeah, that's it. That's the big, the big one there. All right, so one more TV show here really quick. Before we get to the interesting fact, by the way, um, that I was talking about in regards to computers. Um, yes, and I just noticed that this television show technically did make it to Australia because it's on the Wikipedia page. But I would not be surprised at all if you had never seen it. Cop Rock. Never seen it. Never fucking heard of it. Do you even know what it is? Nope. Nope. It was a cop procedural show musical. Oh, my God. Rock. And it was, I've seen footage. So here, so what I want you to do over the next week before we drop the next episode, go watch clips of Cop Rock and you'll see just how bad it is. And I want you to comment and let us know just how bad it is or find funny moments 
Um, and Shim, this this includes you. Okay. Like, I, I want you to do this as well. I want you to go check out Cop Rock. Okay. All right. So here you go. Are you ready? So there's two things from 1990 that were invented either for the computer or on the computer. Oh, yes. Still used I today. To God, I forget about I'm so glad we tease these things because I forget it. It's a nice little surprise. Okay, go for it. The reason I have my notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Shim, we, we did a little quick promo uh, for this episode. And the second I got done recording it, Shim's like, God, I want to guess so bad, but we got to save it. So here it is. So this is the big reveal. What do you, if you do, I get to a guess? guess? Do I, I want to guess? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fire is it away. The, is it the CD drive? No. Okay. Is it the mouse? It's not the mouse, is it? No. Okay. Nah, mouse was around way longer. Yeah, than I was that. gonna say. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Is it a piece what of software? Okay, just give me like 30 seconds. Is it a piece of software? Uh yes, one is. The other one's a piece of hardware. Um, the other one is actually a website. Oh, um, was it, was the website AOL.com? No. Was it Pornhub? No, remember we still, we, people <laughs> use this daily. Like people use oh, it the website it, is used daily. Was it Google? Like Google? By, by almost everybody. Was it Google? No. Yahoo? No, it's not a search engine. Um, okay. I mean, you can more. search, people are generally going there to find out information about something. Are you ready for not this? Wikipedia. It's not Wikipedia. Fuck, dude. All right, bring it. Go. IMDB. Your Internet Movie Database. You know, the one that everybody goes to. You're yeah, watching yeah. a show and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, who is that? Is that, is that this person? That was around? You immediately go to IMDB. Before? Those, 1990. Was that before the other sites that I said? Before Google? Before Yahoo? Before? Oh, Christ, I don't know. But that's fucking Were the crazy. ones that you said? I said Google and Yahoo because I just assumed I know Yahoo was Yahoo's been around forever. I know that Yahoo was around the time of Google and Yahoo was the my favorite fucking quote is the, Yahoo was founded in 1994. Damn. So they still didn't know that like so Internet Explorer was the first. Okay, sorry, we're gonna go down the rabbit hole. No, but, Internet uh, Explorer was not the first. There was, um, what was the first, the first Remember the search engine. engines were like web crawler and stuff there like that? There was these bizarre little things. But my fun fact, the, the, the gag was that the daughter, of the, the daughter of the CEO of Yahoo and creator of Yahoo, she couldn't get into a club one day and she was like, don't you know who I am? Google me, bitch. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. That's a, okay, crap. Okay, so we got we to gotta get to this stuff real quick. So IMDB was one of them. That brings up a really interesting story because there was a radio station... Um, that was a sister station of ours when I was working in Florida and Bing, first of all, oh. who the fuck uses Bing? Yeah. <laughs> but they, this is when they first came out with it and they were heavily advertising it and they were having the DJs promote it on the air. Yeah. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to look something up and then you're supposed to kind of talk about it. How about how you found this information on Bing.com? Right. And there was one of the DJs on one of the sister stations who would default to, well, yeah, I Googled it. Because not even thinking that Google's the competition. Yeah, because yeah. you know how yeah, yeah. they always talk about like Kleenex is the brand yeah, of tissue. Yeah. What you're getting is a, a you know a tissue. Yeah. Kleenex is the brand. Yeah. It was always, and they were sending these air checks in and they're like, go to bing.com and Google this. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know you've cornered the market. If, you're, if your brand is just the num like. Oh, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's swarmed yeah. everything. All right, second thing here. That was brought up in 1990, Windows included Solitaire for the first time in their package. That so was a big deal. A PC, 
and then you brought it up and that's and that's you know and you were you were using that operating yeah, system yeah. solitaire Every, I remember everyone was playing solitaire around the time. I didn't. I, I may a, yeah. have had a slight addiction, <laughs> not to solitaire, but to free cell. Have you ever played free cell? No. Fuck, it's addictive. It was. I remember, and it was when I first got into radio because I didn't quite understand the game. And then my my boss, when I was an intern, showed me the game, and I got sucked into it. Man, I would right. spend at home. I would spend hours playing goddamn free cell. Because I would, because he even told me, like my boss, he's like, yeah, my dad plays this. He's never lost, and I'm like, bullshit. Like, there's always, and he goes, no. He's like, you can, like, because you could always look at those stats. So then I made it a goal to rack up the stats as best I could, get the longest win streak, never lose a game, and I got really goddamn good at free sell, man. I mean, I was. You weren't, you weren't, you didn't have a girlfriend at this time, right? There's no one in your life. I did not. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> my girlfriend's name was Free Sell. Yeah. <laughs> But on that note, that is uh, our episode here for, you know, our random tidbits, obviously. But Allison Chains Facelift, again, if there's anything that we missed, maybe there's an interesting factoid that you know about uh, Allison Chains Facelift. If you're already here on YouTube, comment below. If you're not, if you're listening to this as a podcast on Spotify or something, go to Shim's YouTube channel and then comment on the video below and kind of let us know because we're going to be bringing this stuff back up. Here coming up in the rest of the month of April, we're going to be talking about the Black Crows, their album that came out in 1990, Pantera, and Mother Love Bone, which I think we're going to wait on Mother Love Bone because I don't want to go grunge, grunge so quickly. It's a lot. And it's really hot in here with this flame. I'm not going to lie. So we're going to figure something else out there. Okay. All right. But is that everything? Do you have anything else? Nope, that's it. If you watched this far, thank you for smashing the like button and the subscribe button. Comment down below. And if you made it through my rendition of Fresh oh Prince Bellers, that's song, why I'm not you. really worried because I don't think anyone Arigato. wants to see it anymore. But oh. in the meantime, we'll see you next week for the next installment of uh, the Rockstar 101 class on the history of rock, 1990. 1990! Until then, have a very safe and wonderful week. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the Rockstar. Class dismissed. Ooh.